0: Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collin on Teachers Talk Radio. You're listening to Teachers Talk Radio on your Sunday morning. Happy Sunday. I hope you're enjoying the post-storm beautiful weather that we're getting today. Blue skies all round. We're talking traditional tales today. All those cute stories we learn as children, we teach to the younglings. Should we be teaching them? Are they wrong? How deep and dark does the rabbit hole go? Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collum on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Nothing worse than when you're doing when you're pumped up for a good intro and you think this is going great and then you say doth instead of does. How deep doth the rabbit hole go? Doth, if only I'd committed and gone for doth, how deep doth thine rabbit hole go? yonder go yonder um yes today we are talking about traditional tales last week we we dabbled in in core text and we talked about the core texts that we're using to teach in primary school and you know the rights and wrongs of those and what they're doing well what we could do better with core texts today we are talking about um we are talking about traditional tales which of course are often taught to very young year groups they're in reception and they're in um they're in year one and two but really all through primary and probably still in secondary even um traditional tales creep in here and there hopefully in secondary we can dabble into some of the the darker areas and kind of enjoy the reason why traditional tales have this longevity i think that they they kind of go tr- trans what are do they do? they they go beyond, you know, just childhood stories. You know, they 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 have a, a depth to them and a, a darkness to them sometimes. So, I'm um, we're going to enjoy looking at the history of some of these tales. We're going to question Walt Disney and what he's up to, get, you know, working with these stories because he's picked some odd odd stories. If you're an animator and you think right, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bunch of stories for kids to watch. I don't know why you'd start with the Brothers Grimm. I think that's a bit questionable to begin. But these are the kind of things we're going to be thinking about today uh funnily a good thing that sums up the the traditional tale problem just before i went on the air my wife was setting off um with with our little boy um and she was she's a res- reception teacher a year one teacher she's tall the all the younger year groups, so she does a lot, a lot of traditional tales she said um tell your listeners to be very careful when choosing youtube videos to share with the class which of course we as teachers we know we've got to check the videos before we show them to the class, but come on let's be real how many of us actually don't check the youtube video before we show it to the class sometimes that happens sometimes you yam it in at the end of a lesson oh there's something i need to show you and um so anyway she had this experience this is more of a more of a wife's shame um in fact let me give it the intro it deserves (laughs) intro it deserves here it comes it's been a while great wife That's right. It's time for Graham's Wife Shame. Um, So she was teaching Little Red Riding Hood with the kids, traditional tales, as you do, um, and they thought they'd start with a classic, Little Red Riding Hood. So they were watching Little Red Riding Hood, and it was a YouTube video. She hadn't fully checked it. she checked a bit of it, and she thought, this all seems appropriate and reception-friendly. Let's get it watched. Um, So then the lesson came round. They started watching the the clip. And lo and behold, (laughs) once... Once the wolf has devoured grandma, he turns around and, and he has blood all over his claws and teeth, <laughs> all dripping off. And, you know, and she was horrified. She thinking, oh, no, this is going to be proper fallout. But what a save from the wife. Um, she said to them, oh, look, he's painted his nails like grandma. <laughs> he's tried to paint his nails. What a witty wolf that is. <laughs> she soon ended the video but i thought that was a great save and she said the kids because they were reception she said the kids were on board they the thing is even if it's dripping off and it's it's a mess you can get away with you like well wolves you know they don't know how to paint their nails so he he had a go you know he made a mess of the job but well done wolf what a valiant wolf he tried, you know really going for the convincing not only um you know my eyes all the better to see you with and my ears all the better to hear you with my nails all the better to be fashionable with um so you know there is a cautionary tale about a traditional tale watch yo youtube videos people before sharing them with the class but really the reason i thought i'd start with that was that it kind of sums up the traditional tale problem that there is this issue that they're so dark and there's so many edges to traditional tales that are problematic you know that's probably one of the trickier areas of teaching because resource-wise there's always going to be questions about you know if you say oh the wolf ate grandma know, yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a pretty pretty dark concept to share with the with the younglings you know the wolf has devoured; he's eaten her he's it's an animal which has eaten the human then to say the human is whole in the wolf's tummy well you know then you have science questions and there's you know chew your food kids you know this is this is why we tell you to chew, chew your food we don't want Anybody getting grandma out after you've eaten? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, it, it's it's an odd one. But, um, you know, there's the other issue with traditional tales, which is the science problem. You know, how much science are we misteaching by teaching traditional tales? Can't walk on clouds, kids. All right. No matter how magic your beanstalk might be, there's not going to be a castle on the clouds. All right. We're teaching them it. And then they're going to think, they're going to think, right, when they're in the plane, look out for the clouds. Jack walks on those. you know what i mean you gotta you gotta think of the science we're teaching with traditional tales there's a lot of problems and don't get me started on the three little pigs because that as a traditional tale has a lot of scientific problems i'm sorry but people lived in straw houses for a long time wolves did not blow those houses over and yet kids are coming into the world thinking firstly thinking if they see a wolf the biggest thing they have to worry about is being blown at and i tell you you're going to have some bad exchanges with wolves if you think the worst thing they have up their sleeves is blowing your house down um secondly to think that house of sticks could be blown down you know what we need to do with kids after after doing the three little pigs we need to actually build a house of straw sticks and um and brick and then test velocity winds against each of them and the science would prove of course that the straw would would go down first and probably the sticks would go down second and then the bricks last but um but we also got a question about what kind of wolf has that type of breathing power because you know there are scientific questions to be asked so um, so yes the problem of traditional tales um they I love them I love them and I've really loved researching them i also wonder if you're listening then um i wonder how well versed you are for the um for i wonder how well versed you are in traditional tales and in their history in Brothers Grimm, mainly, is what I'm thinking of. Um, Brothers Grimm is, of course, where a lot of traditional tales come from, but they're really dark origins of where these things come from. Um, So I wonder if you are aware of traditional tales, if you have looked into them, if you teach them in reception or year one or year two, do you talk about Brothers Grimm? Even up to year six, can it be mentioned? Because they really do get dark. And we're going to talk through this episode. We're going to talk about some of the, the traditional tales, Cinderella, Snow White, Beauty and the Beast, even even beyond Brothers Grimm, Little Mermaid, loads of traditional tales that we um, talk about, talk about the origins of them, and um, and whether you can mention them in class. If you have them in Year Six, can you say, um, switch on to, you know, Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid? Is it appropriate? I think so. In fact, I'm not going to lie. I have, um, I have occasionally, um, dabbled. In a little bit of um, of talking about the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen with traditional tales something to think about so while i ask you to pick your favorite traditional tales and pop your feet up and wonder what you think um is appropriate in the classroom with traditional tales brace yourself for a shocking and eye-opening journey through the world of traditional tales and it may well change the way you view these things so we're going to start with the news and then we're going to go further on um, and dabble in these unusual things This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
1: In a press release issued today, the UK government announces new expert attendance advisers are to begin work to reduce pupil absence. The advisers are described as having decades of first-hand experience, and will work with local authorities and multi-academy trusts who have been identified as having the potential to benefit from support. The Department for Education has also identified schools with some of the greatest decreases in absence rates over a five-year period prior to the pandemic and invited them to share their approach with other schools in the coming weeks and months. Schools Minister Robin Walker said in the statement the department is channelling all its efforts to provide support and guidance to help schools and trusts to take action to increase attendance. He did, however, also recognise that COVID is still with us and is causing some unavoidable absence, but that this made it even more important to take action to address avoidable absence from school. The press release outlined that the new advisers would draw on their expertise as former headteachers and local authority leaders to support with approaches tailored to schools' individual needs. This could include advice on how data and partnership working could improve or how local authorities can make sure all parts of their services are focused on breaking down the barriers to attendance. In the northeast of England, the Evening Chronicle reports that automotive giant Nissan has used evidence to a House of Lords Committee on Youth and Employment to highlight what it sees as shortfalls in the national curriculum. The report states that Nissan has hit out at the disastrous education system in the UK, which it says does not equip young people for jobs in manufacturing and engineering. The House of Lords committee has sent a long list of recommendations to the government to tackle what it calls a blight on our society. This includes a call for the appointment of a young people's commissioner to champion the voice of people aged 16 to 24. The committee also highlights the UK youth unemployment rate, which, at 11.7%, is worse than many other comparable countries, and added that 70% of job losses during the pandemic were of people under the age of 25. In a statement, the chair of the committee, Lord Shipley, said, Our report is about harnessing the talents of every young person and giving them the skills they need to get a good job and a sustainable career. Finally, with the Christmas break approaching, headteachers are reported in an article in the Eye to be calling the request to set up COVID-19 testing stations in schools not reasonable. They say government have left schools with too little time to order test kits to be used upon the return of pupils after the Christmas break. The request came in an email from the Department for Education on Friday, with a deadline for ordering tests set for Tuesday next week. Julie McCulloch, Director of Policy at the Teaching Union ASCL, said that whilst testing was important in reducing the risk of transmission of the virus, the responsibility for managing the testing should shift to public health authorities with schools limited to providing space for test centres and communicating with students. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio weekend news.
0: and we are back yes we are talking about traditional tales today and the dark origins of some of those traditional tales and that we teach in class and whether it's appropriate to bring those up should we be talking to the kids about the traditional tales and their origins depending on their age maybe we should maybe we shouldn't first of all probably best to start on the disney problem right that disney now has kind of a monopoly on children's views of traditional tales so if you mention cinderella to kids they're instantly visualizing cinderella via disney or if you say sleeping beauty or if you say snow white you know they're imagining a bunch of dwarves marching around singing songs who all have these distinct personalities and humor and songs and all of that kind of stuff but obviously a lot of that is added through disney and when you go back to the original stories um they're very 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 different or even if you try and it's a bit like marvel with thor you know a lot of children now if you try and talk about Norse mythology they're going to have a real job being pulled away from the thor from marvel movies and the loki from marvel movies and the odin and Frigga and all of that from marvel movies um and so we kind of pop culture influences the ideas of some of these stories and sometimes in a way that that turns them on their head and the kind of the meaning of them and some of the moral lessons and things that were supposed to be woven into the stories get mixed up and lost because obviously Disney and Marvel, they're going for common denominator. They're trying to make money. They're not um, worrying more so about storytelling. So there's a Disney problem that when you mention things, you know, the the kind of the images that kids, I think it's very hard for a kid to visualize a story without automatically sticking on. You know, it's like if you read Lord of the Rings now and you hadn't read it before, you're going to imagine the actors in the faces of the people, even though sometimes that doesn't match up and the descriptions don't perfectly align. It's a bit of an odd problem that we have with, with traditional tales. Um, so yeah, as we go through the origins, we'll think about just how much Disney had, has added in. Some of them, not so much. For example, Beauty and the Beast, is one that is actually pretty well maintained. Uh, but then that is quite a dark tale, as it is. You can almost tell when you're watching it, this has not been Disneyfied so much. But brace yourselves, because I'm telling you now, um, Snow White, Cinderella, oof, Sleep and Beauty. Sleeping Beauty genuinely comes with a trigger warning. I, I I have to kind of state that before we go into Sleeping Beauty. There's there's major issues with it. It's crazy. Um, and also something I kind of came into while I was thinking about um, the Brothers Grimm and Walt Disney and that whole crossover. Weirdest thing I can think of when it comes to um, traditional tales and being developed and Disney taking a bunch of them. When Disney started making his versions of the story, Walt Disney, when he decided to take Snow White, Cinderella, and Sleeping Beauty, three of the best examples um, that were taken by kind of Walt Disney company um, in, in history. When they took those stories, they were just the Brothers Grimm stories. And that's really weird. When we talk about those later on, and I'm going to talk about the origins of them and what the original stories were, you've got to imagine at some point they've sat around in a room, or, or Walt Disney sat down and with his plan and stuff out in front of him, however, he makes his stories. And he's thought, right, what am I going to do to change? You know, I'm, I'm starting with the story I love, clearly, because Walt Disney must have loved these tales. He's thinking, right, but instead of having the queen dancing on hot irons, which, spoiler alert, is what happens at the end of one of the Brothers Grimm stories. You know, it's weird that he would choose those stories. Like, why not go with... Surely there were kind of normal, low, like, happy, joyful stories back then that were perfectly fine. But for some reason, um, that's that's a, a weird kind of bit of history that I find hard to get my head around, was before Disney versions, there was just the dark versions. And he was like, yeah, let's work with them. <laughs> let's work with the... Let's go with the... Um, the horrifying, you know, uh, nightmarish tales, and let's make them kind of fun for the family. It's a real odd thing. And then, ironically, since then, now what you got in, in a whole different version, I don't, this is kind of the reverse with Hansel and Gretel, for example. Now you have movies coming out being the dark version, and it's like, and they're promoting themselves on, oh, no one's ever heard of this version, it's the dark version. But Hansel and Gretel was always a dark thing originally. Very unusual. I guess it's one of these kind of journeys through history a little bit and trying to give us a bit of perspective and context in how we view history of these things. It's all rather weird and wonderful. Um, So anyway, maybe we should start our journey into traditional tales and we'll start picking them apart one by one. Your favourite tales from history, the ones you loved growing up, those tunes you sing, the CDs, you know, you got the Disney CDs, all those lovely songs you associate as positive, lovely stories. Let's talk about the origins they come from. I've got to start with Cinderella because I just I love everything about the origins of Cinderella. I think it's it's dark, it's weird um even the name Cinderella I'd never thought about. I'd always thought Cinderella just a cute name it's a made up name it sounds kind of fun and magical. Cinder is actually the original name of the story of Cinderella is it's a you know brothers grim are are foreign writers they don't write in the English language, so they so there's a foreign word which basically means girl of the ashes or girl of ash um and then the ashes obviously translate to cinders and cinder ella ella from the cinders um which i didn't know it was like from you know from ashes to come from ashes i guess maybe like a phoenix or something um but i thought that was rather cool and straight away i'm like yes i'm on board for this we should be teaching this stuff when we teach traditional tales cinder ella ella from the cinders great love that so anyway In the original version, no fairy godmother. Bippity boppity boop. All right, get rid of it. She's not in there. Um, Instead, here's the different version. I don't know why you'd cut this. Um, She prays to a tree. Cinderella prays to the tree by her mother's grave. So instead of a fairy godmother, she goes daily to her mother's grave and she's planted a tree. So she prays to this tree. And basically the magical things start happening. So the dress that she wears for the ball is sitting under the tree one day. So I guess you'd associate with mum being the magical one. um, And her spirit or soul or something has delivered this dress for her to go to the ball. I love that version. I don't know why you wouldn't stick with that. Or instead of just fairy godmother, just have, I guess, fairy mother might make some sense. But you can see the links. You can see the links. Seema didn't know it. Good, good, good. That's what it's all about today is learning about these things. Anyway, she finds the dress under the tree. She is helped by animals, but just birds. Birds are the animals that help her. We're gonna come back to that because the the meaning of being helped in this tale isn't always it's not always pumpkins and um, and horses and things. This is the help from the birds sometimes gets just a little bit questionable. Anyway, here, here's where it starts to get really weird. Okay, so this is a Brothers Grimm tale, by the way. A lot of these are Brothers Grimm, not all of them. A lot of them are Brothers Grimm, um, and this is where I tr- one where the original traditional tale of Cinderella or Girl from the Ash it translates to. And this is what it comes from. So instead of running down the stairs and dropping her shoe, right, on her way out because she's in a rush, she doesn't want to lose the magic spell and all that, instead, the prince, yeah, the prince we all know and love, Prince Charming, tarred the stairs. He tarred them in pitch. And so, when, so he deliberately, like, basically was trying to keep the shoe so then he could find out who it belonged to. He was like, I'm not letting this woman get away. Tar those steps. So we can steal a shoe of hers because clearly the best way to know someone's identity in this world is to steal a shoe and run around checking everyone's feet because nobody has the same shoe size. (laughs) He's a witty prince, if you ask me. I think it's pretty, pretty great going prince. Um, So anyway, he he tars the shoe. And then begins, as in the, the the tale that we all know and love, the, the hunt for the prince's love, right, where he's looking for them. So the stepsisters, as as humorously depicted in, in a Disney animation, the stepsisters want in on it. They want to try the shoe, so they're trying to force their foot in. But what they don't tell you in The Brothers Grimm, stepsisters only go and cut their feet, cut their toes off, cut their heel off probably should say a trigger warning i my worst thing about warnings is i say after after the thing trigger warning for bodily you know hurt um so they cut their toes off and their heel um to try and fit the shoe on so one of them successfully gets the shoe on but that witty prince the blood was a giveaway (laughs) literally in the story he sees the blood he's like there's something wrong here." He does he doesn't worry about the lack of toes or the lack of a heel. Ah, oh, there's a bit of blood on that shoe. Got it, got it. I think something's up. Um so anyway, blood gives them away, and eventually he finds Cinderella. Um she the shoe fits, thankfully, I guess they clean off the sisters' blood. Now the sisters are really regretting their decision of, of trimming their their toes and heel. It's grim. Very it is grim. And um, that was not a deliberate pun. Um so anyway, so they they do that it's so so then the prince and the and cinderella get married wonderful happy ending question mark stop right there this is the brothers Grimm. so famously now brothers Grimm, they kind of have this thing of at the end it all goes to hell right everything goes crazy and um and this is what happens so the wedding the stepsisters are invited to cinderella and the prince's wedding right you would think this is lovely this is all great the birds Oh, I don't know how to say this in a way that sums up just how awful it is. The birds attend, those helpful birds who've been magically assisting Cinderella and peck out the sister's eyes. Just gonna let that one sit with you for a moment. You know what I need to find? I need to find an audio effect for for when something magical is actually horrific. Hold on, hold on. Let's find one, a little magic-y sound. Here we go the sister's eyes are pecked out by birds <laughs> that sound effect is going to come in lots in this episode um yeah so that is a rather brutal um thing that happens and then they live the rest of their life as blind beggars so there's your moral lesson i guess don't cut your feet um and you you know to try and steal your sister's other half and then if you do don't attend their wedding i think is the moral lesson (laughs) that's cinderella that's cinderella okay so this is what we're setting up for today guys we're having a journey through traditional tales the stories we teach to kids as wholesome family tales to learn our moral lessons from. And we're talking about what's the origins of those. I am one who in year six, to be honest, in the bookcase in my class in year six, there is a Brothers Grimm book. I didn't put it there. It's there from the school. So I assume it's fine. I say to them, you know, kids, now you're old enough, you might want to dabble in these um, stories. They're kind of crazy. They get mad dark. Um, and so what do you think? Do you think that that it's kind of okay to promote these stories to younger people? Should we be knocking traditional tales on the head altogether? Or should we just be going with the Disney version or something else? Is there a way of teaching it without it being grim and without it being Disney? How do we do kind of true traditional tales? Because I guess the Brothers Grimm were the originals, right? They are the ones who made it up. So we should kind of be doing that. But obviously you wouldn't do that with Reception and, um, and other ones just so you know what we're going through today here's some of the tales we're going through next one up is little mermaid after that a light touch on beauty and the beast because there's not much there sleeping beauty is really problematic but we're going to talk about it um snow white we're going to talk about there's a bit little bit on rapunzel red riding hood has massive issues three little pigs pretty obvious issues there um jack and the beanstalk and so we go on we're also going to talk about the scientific problems of teaching traditional tales and where you know where it jumbles kids thinking um and all kinds of other things that might come into it but just imagine walt disney right he at there was a time he had that story in front of him right with the sisters cutting their feet and getting their eyes pecked out and he's like let's do that let's make that a kid's tale he went with that that was the choice he made just throwing that one out there um because at that point there was no disney version and he like you know i want to make a movie for kids let's go with the one where the sisters get their eyes pecked out you know, what I, What can I say? It's an unusual one. Okay, we're coming up to half the half hour. I think it's probably time for an ad break. And then when we come back, we'll get into Little Mermaid and we'll continue on this journey through mystery. Um, it's a pleasure to be here, guys. I hope you're all doing well. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And don't forget, if you have your own opinions or thoughts to drop in, you can drop a comment on the Podbean app or you can call in live um, and we can talk about traditional tales or your views on traditional tales. Do you like them? Do you hate them? Do you think that we should be talking teaching the grim ones? Do you think we should be ignoring them altogether? What's your thoughts? Let's have an ad break and then we're going to come back to these tales. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE validated programs to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Could we also, for a moment, um, talk about the importance of punctuating messages? I, I meant to open the show with this. I got too into my traditional tales. Tom Rogers, who, by the way, is the master of Teacher Talk Radio, he's the director of Teacher Talk Radio. Great guy, regular presence on Edu Twitter, you know, on, on the educators of Twitter, um, sharing his opinions. Just now, he's he's tweeted out um, in response to somebody saying, "Oh, you know, I'd love to host Teacher Talk Radio, but I wouldn't know what to talk about." He said. That's why we have guests, although some hosts don't like Graham Collum. Listen to him at 11. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Why, why would you say that? <laughs> of course, I'm hoping he's meant. he meant when they said, that's why we have guests, although some hosts don't. For example, Graham Collum doesn't have guests. But he, he said, although some hosts don't like Graham Collum. Stick a comma in there, Tom, come on. My mental health is suffering. I've already had V-V-Y-J-U-H-E be mean this morning, and then I have you saying some hosts don't like me. Lordy Lord, taking a batter in today. But uh, but I'm glad to be here. It's a pleasure, it's an honor. I'd love to be on Teacher Talk Radio. And of course, Khalil says punctuation matters. I couldn't agree more. You got it. Seema says my punctuation is poor. TBF. Um exclamation mark. It seems good to me so far, Seema. I can't can't find fault with that sentence. I could pull you off on capitals, but come on. That would be that would be really pedantic. Um yes, so <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Seema I really hope that comma in your thank you is deliberately misplaced <laughs> I trust it is of course it is of course it is she's a, she's a very intelligent and awesome person Seema again regular regular Teacher Talk Radio support wonderful um fellow amazing person for Teacher Talk Radio so pleasure to have you in the room as well anyway I said we are moving on to the Little Mermaid and so we shall we're talking traditional tales dropping your opinions as we go Little Mermaid is not Brothers Grimm, first of all. I must um, clarify that as lots of, uh, lots of t- traditional tales come from the Brothers Grimm, but this one does not. This one was written by Hans Christian Andersen, of course. He wrote The Little Mermaid. And we imagine The Little Mermaid. We think of Sebastian the crab. We think of the, the crashing waves with Ariel on the, on the rocks and the love story and the joys. and Oh, it's all so lovely. Brace yourselves, all right? The magic's about to get get really not lovely in here (laughs) here's what happens right in in the original little mermaid starts with some similarities so walt disney again he thinks let's pick this book off the shelf another one of my favorites um so the mermaid does see the prince and she falls in love with him great lovely but the twist is and the problems come from the fact that he doesn't see her right? He doesn't see her in the event. She sees him. She thinks he's the best. She wants to be a human. She wants to live where the people are or whatever the song's supposed to be. Um, So she visits the sea witch and she kind of has her request. Hey, you know, I'd like to be a human. So the agreement is you can have legs. You can be a human, says the sea witch, as long as I can take your tongue it's a trade. Sure. The, uh, the Little Mermaid considers it for a moment and thinks, yes, sure, I'll, I'll give up my tongue for my legs. I can't see what could go wrong here. Um, so she goes with it. There's another twist to it, um, again left out of the Disney version, is that every step she has with her human legs feels like she's walking on shards of glass pretty you know while disney read this he thought yeah you know what let's turn this one into an animation this seems totally appropriate oh hold on where's my sound effect every step feels like shards of glass yes the magic of fairy tales kids um so the and then beyond that so if that's not bad enough she's lost her tongue every step she has on her legs feels like she's walking on broken glass and then further to it the law is she can only stay human if she gets the prince to love her if she doesn't, guess what happens? She's dead. Okay, <laughs> that's the law. So this was the trade. I guess this was all on the table to analyze when um, when the mermaid and the sea witch are having this discussion. We're like, right, just to be clear, you're okay with giving up your tongue. You're okay walking on broken glass. And if he doesn't fall in love with you, you're gonna die. She's like, I'm up for it. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm very confident. That this prince who has not seen me yet is gonna fall in love with me. So they they agree on the trade, and at this point, Walt Disney is lining up his animation. He's thinking this is gonna make a great kids show. Um, Zoe is in the comments. Hello, Zoe. Good to have you in the room. Says this is such a great story to analyze. I agree. Traditional tales are fascinating, and um, I couldn't agree more. And also, it's one of these ones that you know you could teach this across. There's so many levels in which you could teach it. Like you can talk to young people about the the more commonly known story now, and talk about oh, you know. Fairy tales and magic and all the, you know, the goods and the bads and all that. But also with older kids, you could talk about, you know, you could really enjoy finding out the dark origins of um, traditional tales, which is why I thought I'd bring it in for today's show. Uh, anyway, so here we are. So she's going to marry this person. She has to get the prince to fall in love with her. Otherwise, she's dead. Prince marries someone else. Oh, my. Hans Christian What a master of drama. Now, not only does he marry someone else, he hasn't just decided he fancies someone else. He thinks the other person is the one who saved him. He thinks the other person who he's married, the person he's actually married, he thinks that's the one. He thinks that's the mermaid person who saved him, uh, you know, at sea that time. And then the mermaid can't tell him the truth because she's only went and given up her tongue. (laughs) Oh, man. It's great. This is drama 101. So you get your main character to give up their tongue and then there's a big misunderstanding which he can't clarify because she doesn't have a tongue. Oh, it's, it's grim with a double M. Um, so Prince marries the wrong person, thinking that that person was the one he saved. And Mermaid can't say the truth because she doesn't have a tongue. So then the sea witch comes up with the final option. Well, you know what you could do? If you just want to sort all this out and you want to survive, just kill him. That's the option. Just kill the man of your dreams. Thanks, sea witch. Um, This is all going swimmingly so far. Um, So to be fair, the mermaid considers it. She thinks, I really don't fancy dying today. Maybe I'll kill the guy, but she can't do it. She can't go through with it. And so essentially, she throws herself to the sea and becomes sea foam, Um, essentially suicide. Uh, pretty crazy, right? Pretty crazy. Let's see some some comments. Seema says, "Um, the lengths women go to for love and men—it sounds pretty accurate." Wow. Well, I hope not too much. I hope Seema, you haven't gone through this experience. Um, in in your relationships, I you know, there's a lot, you still have your tongue, you know, I'm pretty certain last time I saw you, you had a tongue. So I feel like things are going better for you these days. Zoe says, Anderson is also a fascinating character. Silence and repression is woven through so many of his stories. Oh, that is interesting. I didn't know that. Um, But yeah, it's a great tool. You know, it's certainly something that I would never think to use in a story. Um, But straight away, I'm like, that's a great tool to use in a story Um, to not be able to speak. So essentially, the the mermaid then throws herself to the sea foam um, and becomes air. There's a whole other thing that goes through the Hans Christian Andersen version that's not in the Disney version. There's no Sebastian. Just going to break that one to you first of all. No Sebastian in the Hans Christian Andersen version. Sorry. So there's a reason not to pick up the book. Um, not only does she become seafoam, there's this whole thing of having a soul. Humans have souls and mermaids don't have souls. And so she kind of wants a soul. So after she becomes sea foam, she then is something to do with air for a while. And she has to be part of air for 300 years or so. And then maybe after those 300 years, she might get a soul. And there's your happy ending. Ah. Oh. So, you know, I love it. I think traditional tales, like I say, there's there's place for them all over. I only first have ever mentioned some of the grim origins of of traditional tales to year sixes. I think that's the beginning because I kind of want them to go forward in life, you know, knowing that there's more to these things. Kids stories aren't just kids stories. Right. There's more to it. And uh, so I like to start them off there towards the end of year six, drop in a little mention of Snow White or or. You know Cinderella or something like that. Sleeping Beauty, I wouldn't actually go there. Sleeping Beauty is massively, massively problematic. We'll get to that later. Um, let's do a light touch on Beauty and the Beast, and then we'll then we'll move on swiftly. Um, beauty and the Beast, pretty accurate actually, pretty much spot on. As you can tell, when you watch Beauty and the Beast, there's the whole you know there's the rose and there's the there's the backstory of a witch and a curse, and it's all pretty dark as it is to be honest. There's already the punishment of the guy who's a beast and living out his life being miserable all of that you know there's it's quite a dark story as it is so well done disney although that wasn't walt disney i i think he was long gone by the time beauty and the beast was made but they stuck pretty close the only thing that's different the little twist um from the original story is that the bell has two sisters which is a classic trope that we come back to obviously from other tales she has two sisters she goes to visit at one point and they're super jealous they're hearing of her life in the castle with the prince or or king or whatever his, his status is and they're super super jealous so they um they try and get bell to stay with them for longer you know where she was only supposed to visit them for a week they're like stick around bell you know hang out with us for longer go on come on stick around the reason they're trying to get it to stick around because they're hoping that it will enrage the beast to which he will kill her so there's just a little touch just a little little sparkle over beauty and the beast for you nothing too crazy like i say it's pretty honest um it's pretty like true to its roots but they just missed out the murderous Sisters, only a little thing. Um, traditional tales. If you have your favorite traditional tales that you would like us to look into and analyze, drop it in the comments. There's all kinds of ones you could come from a Disney point of view, and we could just talk about Disney origins. Lion King as Hamlet, for example. I didn't realize Lion King until this weekend when I was researching. Um, Lion King is based on Hamlet, and so through that route, you could find some darker origins for that one as well. But I wouldn't call that a traditional tale, that's simply a D- Disney movie. But isn't that a problem when you're teaching traditional tales? Lots of children transpose a traditional tale with a Disney movie and they're just not the same thing. So these things need to be clarified and differentiated. How do you do that? Um, and, you know, how do you deal with the Disney problem when you're a teacher teaching traditional tales? I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Um Let's talk about Red Riding Hood for a moment. I'm just going to um, move off for a moment. Red Riding Hood, of course, being a pretty dark tale as it is, and I've already kind of clarified at the start of the show where we had Graham's wife shame. In case you missed it, Graham's wife shame was at the start of the show where she shared a um, a little Red Riding Hood video with her reception class which was she checked it a little bit. She checked the start of it before and she was like, yes, this is appropriate for class. Let's show it to the kids. And then lo and behold, after the wolf eats grandma, he lifts his head to have blood dripping off his teeth and, and fingernails, um, to which she said, to which she saved amazingly with her reception class. She said, oh, look, he's painted his nails. He's tried to, he's tried to be even more like grandma by painting his nails red um and the kids believed it so props props to the wife on that one well done for pulling that one back um zoe Enza says i like angela carter's version of red riding hood there are so many versions and this is why it's a tricky thing to bring into class because to be honest even the base version of red riding hood is pretty dark like you have you have multiple people being eaten alive um it's weird isn't that funny how that's just totally, like we question so many things that we teach and the morals behind it. You know, like I had somebody come in to me and speak to me because I was I was reading The Hobbit to my class many, many, many years ago. In fact, about 10 years ago now. Um I was reading The Hobbit and somebody came in, oh, they weren't really happy with the element of magic and they weren't happy with other things. But their child went through Little Red Riding Hood. Not a problem. <laughs> Not a problem with grandma being eaten by a wolf. But, you know, step down, Gandalf, with your magic stick. Um Apparently, apparently so. <laughs> You know it's interesting, isn't it? The things that trigger us. But yeah, Little Red Riding Hood. Of course, there's there's a lot of issues with that in general. Firstly, we have enough time telling children to chew their food, and then we have a wolf eating Grandma whole and eating Red Riding Red Riding Hood whole um, and being and you know. So I, I assume that's why kids don't chew their food because they think I'm just being like the wolf. The wolf clearly had many successful snacks um So yeah, that, that's what I think was happening there. Zoe, you mentioned Angela Carter's version. I would love for you to enlighten me. I can't say I know lots about Angela Carter's version of that. Um, I know that generally Red Riding Hood, there's there's all the brutality of the huntsman and killing and all kinds of stuff that goes into there. But I, I always throughout the show it is Teacher Talk Radio, so you can feel free to drop in what you know and your own versions of some of the stories that we talk about. Um, but Little Red Riding Hood, of course, young child on her own in the woods goes round to grandma's house also what's the laws of these woods we have to ask what's because it's all a bit of a free-for-all this wolf is going around just eating people in their house no security on the house clearly grandma was a very trusting person um and actually i might end up coming back to um red riding hood because i'm just having a little i'm having a a subtle panic you might not be able to tell it here but i'm having a subtle panic because i've lost my notes for red riding hood alas we'll come back to it it's no fuss it's no fuss um pinocchio is a fun one. You're gonna like this, Pinocchio. Now this is more of a more of a Disney. This is not um, again grim. It started. We know it as a Disney story. It's originally written in 19, 1883 Sorry, by an Italian called Carlo Collodi, um, "The Adventures of Pinocchio." Super super dark. So Geppetto, first of all, Geppetto, lovely guy. Always see him as a as a friendly father, grandfather type figure. Um, no problem with him. He starts up being imprisoned by police, because they believe Pinocchio, there's a trigger warning on this one, because it does mention abuse. Um, so feel free to switch off if you're, if you're not happy to, you know, to hear kind of that. And actually, that goes through the story, through the episode, there's a few stories that involve some kind of abusive elements. So um, if that's a trigger warning for you, do feel free to um, adjust your airwaves appropriately. Pinocchio, um, they arrested Geppetto because they thought Pinocchio was, was abused, even though he wasn't. Pinocchio then goes home, and this is going to hurt, guys. He kills a talking cricket. <laughs> yep. Jiminy. Jiminy Cricket. He did, he met an ugly end in the original tale. Um, the cricket was warning, Pinocchio, of the dangers of hedonistic pleasures and obedience. Um, and so... Pinocchio killed him. Pinocchio <laughs> killed Jiminy Cricket. He's not called Jiminy in the original, but um, but he's a cricket and he talks. That's good enough for me. I just find it amazing that Walt Disney would see that and go, let's use that cricket. Let's make him a jolly friend who's going to help him through his travels. You, Oh, we have a call coming in. Let's have a little look. Hopefully this might enlighten us further um, onto some secret history of some of these traditional tales. Do we have the person in the room i've I've initiated contact, but I don't see them in the room with me. Hello, hello person who's tried to call. Can you hear me? No gone okay, so anyway, Pinocchio killed Jimmy Cricket maybe that was just a caller. It was a call of rage. I won't have Jimmy Cricket be killed by Pinocchio I'm sorry look that's the original. Geppetto's released from prison, thank God, um, and he insists Pinocchio goes to school. So, Pinocchio's a bit of a rebel. Not only is he killing crickets, but he was okay with Geppetto getting arrested under false allegations um, to do with him. Pinocchio sells sells his school books for a ticket to the theatre. So, okay. He's, he's a proper rebel, Pinocchio. I guess he's supposed to be a bit mischievous in the Disney version. So they, they go in for that a bit. I just find it funny, Walter's like, yeah, let's run with this. Anyway, um, he encounters a fox and a cat who steal his money, and the fox and cat unsuccessfully try to hang Pinocchio. Could you imagine? you imagine that in the you know weirdly i almost could imagine it in the disney version because there's this there's always a bit of a dark background to the disney versions of things you always think there's something worse going on here and i could see the the disney star pinocchio kind of fighting the noose being put around his head anyway um yeah so it goes on after he saves geppetto from a terrible dogfish which is of course like the whale and then pinocchio becomes a real boy which is which is the happy ending that we all know and love um they keep in some of the odd ending parts after that for pinocchio but that is what it is um that's that's pinocchio again a bit of a weird and wonderful twist just just much much darker anyway there we go um some weird and wonderful stuff going on there there's lots of ones that aren't grim tales that are just a bit unusual. Um, the Three Little Pigs is one I always find very unusual. Uh, there, there's a lot of problems that I think kids kids will get from that. Firstly, the wolf is back again. I always find that this wolf idea that kids are just going to think that wolves in general are are a big problem in life. And firstly, first that they blow people's houses down. I've never known and um, wolves to have this issue about blowing houses down. They they want the pig essentially, um, but blowing a house down, blowing a house of straw, you know. Houses of straw actually can be pretty strong. Houses of sticks. People made houses of, of wood and sticks for a long time. They still do. So, you know, I think we're misteaching some of the physics of house making. But, of course, bricks being 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 fine, are you know, it makes sense. Can we talk about the ending of The Three Little Pigs a little bit? You all know what happens at the end, don't you? The the wolf can't um, blow down the brick house. So what does he do? He hops up. He thinks, I'll, I'll go through the chimney. I'll leave the windows leave the windows don't worry about those maybe they didn't have windows um but usually on the books there's windows and he thinks i'll leave those i'll pop up i'll go down the chimney um which to be fair pretty good pretty good decision if they didn't didn't know he was doing it the pigs then pop a boiling vat of water under the um chimney to which the wolf descends uh, and is boiled alive all right so um so there you go the, the, this episode comes with a consistent trigger warning throughout of um of kind of violence and horrifying things that go on in traditional tales but you know that's always overlooked i think that's always seen as a bit of justice That like hey it's okay but what, what, what are we really teaching kids when we're talking about you know boiling so so someone's trying to get you someone doesn't like you and trying to hurt you um boiling them alive there's no authorities clearly in these woods there's no one to call um i guess it's every man for himself every pig for themselves um which you know it comes with the lay of the land so i guess it's fair enough but but i do think it's, it's it's an odd when you talk about moral lessons which is i guess what traditional tales are all about we're supposed to learn these moral lessons from them um so far we've had through the moral lessons we had cinderella in which we learned that you know if you're really mean and horrible and you um kind of cut your toes off to try and steal your sister's other half, then bad things will happen to you. You may well end up with your eyes pecked out. With Hans Christian Andersen's Little Mermaid, I guess the main moral is to make sure that the person you love is aware you exist before you commit, you know, your whole life to that person. Um, Because otherwise everything that could possibly ever go wrong in life will go wrong. Um, Beauty and the Beast, I'll leave that one. That's pretty fair. Red Riding Hood, I guess the moral is to not be gullible, you know, don't be gullible with the, with the wolf who's eating grandma. I guess know your grandma pretty well, because if you look at your grandma and you see a wolf and you think it's grandma, maybe it's more about staying in touch with family, you know. <laughs> you should be able to identify your grandma, even from a distance, even from the door. Um, three Little Pigs, moral is if someone tries to get you, you can get them. I think that's the main moral of that, is you can hit back. Okay, you can you can boil your enemies if they are being if they're trying to hurt you severely. Um, So, you know, the law of the woods, essentially, you have the law of the streets, the law of the woods, totally lawless. So there you go. There's some further, further moral lessons. Right. Next one we're going to get into is one of my favorites. It's Snow White. If you know about Snow White and the orig- origins of Snow White, feel free to chip in. Feel free to call in and let me know what you think about it. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is the Disney version, but the Brothers Grimm version is generally just called Snow White, or, you know, it's written in a foreign language. It's... um. Oh, I forget the language, the the words that it is, but I used to know the name of it. Alas, Snow White, um, original version, very, very different to Disney. I'm going to say brace yourselves. I'm going to play news and ads, and then we're going to come back. We're going to have a final run at traditional tales and, uh, and talk on those a little bit more. So let's have the news to break it up just for a moment. Oh, oh God. There we go. This is Teachers Talk Radio. And this is Teachers Talk Radio News.
1: In a press release issued today, the UK government announces new expert attendance advisors are to begin work to reduce pupil absence. The advisors are described as having decades of first-hand experience, And will work with local authorities and multi-academy trusts who've been identified as having the potential to benefit from support. The Department for Education has also identified schools with some of the greatest decreases in absence rates over a five-year period prior to the pandemic and invited them to share their approach with other schools in the coming weeks and months. Schools Minister Robin Walker said in the statement, the department is channelling all its efforts to provide support and guidance to help schools and trusts to take action to increase attendance. He did, however, also recognise that COVID is still with us and is causing some unavoidable absence, but that this made it even more important to take action to address avoidable absence from school. The press release outlined that the new advisers would draw on their expertise as former head teachers and local authority leaders to support with approaches tailored to schools' individual needs. This could include advice on how data and partnership working could improve or how local authorities can make sure all parts of their services are focused on breaking down the barriers to attendance. In the northeast of England, the Evening Chronicle reports that automotive giant Nissan has used evidence to a House of Lords Committee on Youth and Employment to highlight what it sees as shortfalls in the national curriculum. The report states that Nissan has hit out at the disastrous education system in the UK, which it says does not equip young people for jobs in manufacturing and engineering. The House of Lords committee has sent a long list of recommendations to the government to tackle what it calls a blight on our society. This includes a call for the appointment of a young people's commissioner to champion the voice of people aged 16 to 24. The committee also highlights the UK youth unemployment rate, which at 11.7% is worse than many other comparable countries, and added that 70% of job losses during the pandemic were of people under the age of 25. In a statement, the chair of the committee, Lord Shipley, said, our report is about harnessing the talents of every young person and giving them the skills they need to get a good job and a sustainable career. Finally, with the Christmas break approaching, headteachers are reported in an article in The Eye to be calling the request to set up COVID-19 testing stations in schools not reasonable. They say government have left schools with too little time to order test kits to be used upon the return of pupils after the Christmas break. The request came in an email from the Department for Education on Friday, with a deadline for ordering tests set for Tuesday next week. Julie McCulloch, director of policy at the Teaching Union ASCL, said that whilst testing was important in reducing the risk of transmission of the virus, the responsibility for managing the testing should shift to public health authorities, with schools limited to providing space for test centres and communicating with students. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News.
0: Need support with your phonics teaching. Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DFE-validated programs to help you? Read Write Inc. Phonics, Floppies Phonics and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. Essential Letters and Sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit OxfordPrimary.com forward slash phonics. Live from London, this is the Sunday brunch with Graham Collum on Teachers Talk Radio. Yes, it is. We are talking traditional tales today on Teachers Talk Radio, and um, we are talking about the stories we teach our young ones. We teach them about Cinderella, Snow White, The Little Mermaid, um, Three Little Pigs, Red Riding Hood, all these things. We're looking into the origins of these stories. We're talking about where they come from and what were their starting points. Is it too dark to bring in the classroom? Live from London, this is the Sunday Brunch with Graham Collum on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TTRadio. Tune in. Talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Part of me thinks it can never be too dark for the classroom. Part of me thinks that, you know, we should be a bit more dark in the classroom and that kids would enjoy that more. They love gruesome things. They like to know the origins of things. And they the same way we do, you know, like etymology and where things come from. We don't just want to give them the... If school just is always a kind of a varnished version, it's always super, super safe and sterilized, you know that's not always a good thing it's not always a good thing i think that we could enjoy a little bit of deeper darker meanings obviously at the appropriate age age range we wouldn't be doing this in reception year one but um but i do think kids would benefit from getting into the dark sides of these stories i think they'd enjoy it i think they would enjoy it so what we've spoken about so far, a little recap over the show in case you've just joined us. We have been talking about, we started with Cinderella, right? The Dark Origins Cinderella, where the sisters cut their toes to fit in. Oh, we have a caller coming in. Let's see who this is. Enter Hub Entertainment sounds like somebody who might have some thoughts to share. I don't know. It sounds like a company. Um, anyway, anyway, you're welcome to call in, share your thoughts um on traditional tales if you wish. They've gone, they've vanished as fast as they've come. Um, so we were talking about cinderella and when the sisters the stepsisters cut their feet so that they would fit into the slipper which didn't convince the king the, the prince anyway he was he was well on the blood awareness he, he was like hold on there's blood here this is not their natural fitting foot um then he found cinderella they got married lovely well done cinderella and prince Um they invited the sisters along you'd think that would be an olive branch but in fact Cinderella's magical birds pecked out the sister's eyes at the wedding. I don't know how you'd follow that at a wedding. First dance, guys? Fancy cutting the cake? Uh, I don't know, <laughs> but it's, it's something to think about. Enter Hub um, has come into the room. Can you hear me, Enter Hub? Are you in the room? Yes. You've wildly, wildly muting and unmuting at this point, Enter Hub. Are you doing okay? Yes, I'm doing okay. Good. And what have you called in to say today? Okay. Sorry, to have, I don't know if your Network hold issues here. Oh, I see. Network issues. All right. Well, I would love to hear your thoughts on traditional tales if you have them to share. I'll give you another chance to chip in. And if it's not working, we'll have to say bye to you. But let me know. What do you think about these traditional tales? What's your thoughts? Oh, it's not a good not a good sunday afternoon for enter hub um, Enterhub, I'm sorry to say I'm going to drop you. I'm going to have to drop you from here. Um, sorry, sorry to see you have some duff network connections. Would it be nice to hear some different thoughts on these traditional tales. But alas, if you manage to sort out your connection problems, call us back and I'd love to hear more from you. We are just coming up to the hour of 12, which means we have another half hour with me here talking tra- traditional tales on the Sunday brunch on Teachers Talk Radio. And then following me, there will be the wonderful Khalil Rouse who starts from 1pm today. Wonderful, wonderful fellow host. Long time teachers talk radio host um always always a lot of fun um, a lot of real talk with khalil um and to start off your sunday afternoon so anyway we've been talking about all these traditional tales and how the dark horrible origins are we're dropping in magical sound effects whenever there's a grim twist away from the stories we know and love and the next one we're talking about is snow white and the seven dwarves you may be aware they've done some dark versions of snow white there's some movies and things where they've tried to they tried to keep it a little bit more faithful to the originals. I still don't think they quite keep it as awful as it as it is in the original. So, the, the in the Disney version, the version that is most commonly known, Snow White's godmother, oh his stepmother, is the evil one. In the original, it's actually just her mother. It's just her mum who hates her because she's beautiful. So that's a little bit of a little bit of a dark and magical um start to the story. And she does call the huntsman, as is as is the way in the normal story. She says to the huntsman, huntsman, but rather than um, bringing her her you know Snow White or killing Snow White or being the request, it's a little bit more specific. She wants specifically the huntsman to bring back Snow White's lungs and liver. Um, so that's her. You know, she wants to eat them for dinner that night, just as you do. That's you know why not i guess um but the, the huntsman as is the truth in the original well not in the original what i'm saying oh that's a bit embarrassing as is in the disney version um he can't he doesn't do it so instead he kills a boar and brings the boar's lung and liver which is resourceful tricks the queen into eating those embarrassing for her Um, you know you thought you were eating your daughter's lungs and liver but it's just a boar's so jokes on you Um, And so then the queen goes on to try and kill Snow White two more unsuccessful times. Then lastly, we get to the apple, which is in the original. She eats the apple, but it's a funny kind of science in the original story in that a part of the apple gets lodged in Snow White's throat. And that's what causes her to pass out and appear dead Um, and apparently not actually be dead, even though she can't breathe and whatever um it seems fine in the story i guess it's it's part of the magic spell of the apple but it's there and so now's where it all gets a bit weird the um the prince then with his helpers who who are dwarves they um see snow white she's dead they decide to carry her home uh, it's a, there's some inference of why that is and it's all a little bit odd um but I'm not going to go too much into it because it's only inferred we don't know for sure um the prince comes and he wants to take her away so they do the dwarves hesitantly allow it but while she's being carried by the dwarves and there aren't there's no happy and doc and all that you forget that these are just generic dwarves who are working for the prince i guess they're some kind of helpers or something um they're carrying the coffin they trip and luckily that trip dislodges the um the apple from her throat to which she she awakes so there was no there's no kiss of life there's no waking her up um by kissing her to then feel okay it's actually an accidental trip they were just taking snow white's apparently dead body with them um there you go. There's some magic for you um, in the in the Grim Tales. So anyway, the the apple is dislodged and she wakes up. Thank God. She and the prince, of course, get married because because why wouldn't you? You know, you wake up um, disoriented and half dead, um, being carried by a guy and his small helpers, and of course you would just think, why not get married? Um, but then the most interesting part is the end of this i remember reading this myself this is one that i did find in a grim tale book in you know the brothers grim original version and i read it as a punishment the mother so this is snow white now as the daughter um getting back at her mother for trying to kill her multiple times she forces her mum to wear burning hot iron shoes and dance until she drops dead So the moral there, I guess, is don't try and kill your daughter, probably. Don't, don't try and eat the lungs and liver of your daughter, definitely. Um, and if you do, I guess if you are trying to get the apple stuck in her throat, just make sure it stays there. Maybe, it, maybe the moral is when you've successfully killed your daughter, then manage the body, you know, make sure the body is not carried away and jolted unexpectedly uh, who knows you find your own morals on these stories kids but um but it's quite an interesting it's an interesting tale what do you think should we bring that into year six the forcing to dance. the thing is cinderella is forcing her to dance in hot iron shoes so we've got to question the good and the bad people here and this is a thing that actually i haven't really talked about much yet but it's worth talking about Is the good and the bad characters in the original stories. Like, who's good and who's bad? Because once Cinderella gets what she wants, not Cinderella, once Snow White gets what she wants, she then decides to force the mum to dance in hot hot iron shoes until she dies. The awfulness of that, I think, you know, that's pretty creative. That's pretty sadistic. It's not your average, um, you know, getting back. She could have just put her in prison. Do you know what I mean? Like... This also, I think she's the queen. So you're forcing the queen to dance on hot irons until she drops dead. The um, same as Cinderella. You know, Cinderella got what she wanted. She had a wedding with her prince, all good. Now I'll have my sister's eyes pecked out. Now you didn't have to do that, Cinderella. Why didn't you just leave them? Why don't you just say, right, I'm living with my hub now off in his castle. It's punishment enough that you guys don't have toes or half your feet and, um, and you're miserable so i'm you know i'm taking the high road i'm going to go and live in my castle no instead i'm going to get my magical birds peck your eyes out i don't know these good characters suddenly get a little bit blurry and maybe that's the point of the original grim tales is this kind of moral ambiguity that when we get all the things we want maybe that's what makes us go bad i don't know i don't know we could all talk about different things Rapunzel we still have coming up Rapunzel um of course Rapunzel there is the traditional tale that we know and love which is usually softened then there's Tangled which is the Disney version of the traditional tale that we know and love and then there's the Brothers Grimm original version of Rapunzel which of course goes far deeper and darker than you might expect throughout this episode there's a trigger warning um for kind of mention of violence and sometimes abuse and horrible things um, that for some reason have been put into these, apparently, in inverted commas, traditional tales. What makes a traditional tale, in your views? You might be someone who teaches tra- traditional tales to young people. Maybe it should be stories that are passed down over generations. But of course, these days, that can be any great range of things. Um, I wonder, and and I also wonder what you think about teaching them, and at what age we should teach them, or when do we start talking about the dark origins and some of these Kind of crazy dark versions of traditional tales. What do you think about them? What do you think? Um, I'd love to hear from you on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, I'm Graham Column. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Graham Column VO. You're always welcome to chip in your thoughts. If you want to drop in a comment now, you jump on the Podbean app and say hello let me know what you think um you can also let me know where you call him from you can also call in live and um, by hitting the round gray, gray icon and tell me your views on traditional tales and the things that we teach kids um when it comes to these classic classic tales let's talk rapunzel people let's talk rapunzel um in the brothers grim version rapunzel firstly before she escapes her her tower or a castle that she's imprisoned in before that happens she becomes pregnant with the prince's child um that's a bit of a theme that runs through some of these things there's a little bit of the prince again moral ambiguity in all the disney ones and this is a problem that walt disney has decided all these male characters who are awful in the originals they're not nice people generally speaking like that one was just running off with snow white's dead body Um, you know i'm not going to say any more than that but it, it, it's weird that he was doing that and and then after that to to kind of team up with snow white to put the queen in hot iron shoes and have her dance till she dies that's not really a good character and the same way in cinderella you know the prince tars the steps to steal the shoe so he can find out who she is and then when they get married they attack the sisters and then now in rapunzel the prince gets rapunzel pregnant before they before she escapes and so, and you know, it's all a little bit like um, that's kind of means that then she's committed to him, isn't it, in these traditional old-style tales. I don't know why we're having these come into school. Maybe these are we should just drop them and go, like, look into them kids. they're fun. Or teach them when they're older. I always think they're more fun when they're older. Um. So anyway, so the evil sorceress figures that out, that she's pregnant. She cuts off Rapunzel's hair and throws her out into the wilderness. When the prince shows up to see her, the sorceress dangles Rapunzel's cut off hair to lure him so he goes up climbing up the hair thinking i'm going to see rapunzel but then realizes it's not her so the prince bails he runs and he jumps out of the window in despair and falls into thorns and he is blinded by the thorns so he wanders around blinded by thorns um all the while Rapunzel gives birth to twins um he is eventually guided back to Rapunzel when he hears her voice. Luckily for him, Rapunzel's tears have a magic quality and restore his sight um and so he you know from from that, the prince um is is able to see again, and they essentially live happily ever after then so there's a happy ending for you you know that who's to say they don't have happy endings? um yeah the the pregnant rapunzel had her twins and they lived happily ever after his thorn blindness went away good times enter hub is black back in the room now enter hub it says you're muted again so i'm thinking your network's rubbish how are you doing can you hear me yeah i'm doing good just sitting here in kenya where are you calling from kenya Kenya, wow, long way away. I think you're my first ever call from Kenya. Um, lovely to hear yeah. from you. What's your thoughts on what we're talking about? What's your thoughts on traditional tales?
2: I think traditional tales maintain the tradition of a certain community or a culture.
0: Do you think it's it's a good thing to keep passing them down? Do you think we should? Did it surprise, did it surprise you, some, surprise of you some of these origins?
2: <laughs> no, this is because they they give us what happened there before. The tradition.
0: Okay. And what have you called yeah. in to say today, Hub. What have you called in to say today?
2: I just want to say that these traditional tales are very enjoyable and people should maintain them.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. I like that. Like that point of view. Um, have, did you know about the original versions? The versions we've been talking about today. Had you heard about the dark origins of Snow White and Cinderella? Did you know about those?
2: Yes, I knew about them. I love okay, traditional true. tales. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. What's your favorite?
0: That of Snow White. Snow White with the old burning, with the hot iron shoes for the queen. Dropping dead at the end. Yeah. Do you and what do you think of the morals of it? Is Snow White a good character or a bad character or somewhere in between? And what about the prince?
2: Uh, Snow White is a good character. And the prince, I think, is in the middle.
0: Even though even though she she has her mum dancing on hot irons till she dies, good character? You sure?
2: Uh
0: you know, I think she's a good character to me. Okay, all right, all right. I like it. It's nice <laughs> to talk about it. It's nice to talk about it. Anything else you want to drop in before we move on? No.
2: Okay. I just well, want so much. to wish you all of you. I just want to wish you all, all of you the best.
0: And it, Kenya, it is very raining. Raining? Oh, really? Oh well, we had a bit of a storm yesterday, but it's all kind of. parted now and we have a beautiful weather today yeah that's good so have a nice day you too have a great one all right yep thanks so much thank you ah lovely lovely to have a, a friendly call there Thank you, Enterhub, for calling. Someone who has a personal love of traditional tales. I'm there too. I love now that obviously as an adult where we can appropriately read all these things and get to know them, I love finding out the dark origins of them. I think it's fascinating. I think it adds quality to the story. And I think, you know, you feel like you're kind of learning some important stuff when you learn about the origins. I think it's a really satisfying type of learning when you realize these kind of friendly, like Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket, Pinocchio killed Jiminy Cricket. That's amazing. That's such good knowledge to kind of learn and take forward. So I am I agree. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I'd love to have it come up in year six and really get into the Grim Tales. Um, maybe some schools do. Do you teach Grim Tales in your school? Um, let me know if you do. I'd love to hear about it and how successful it's been or problems you've had. Maybe parents have issues with it. Maybe people are quite protective over the Disney properties. You know, how dare we say Pinocchio kills Jiminy? It's the original that's how it was supposed to be um right i guess we should probably as i've said we're going to talk about it we should go into sleeping beauty but i'm conscious that it is really really not a nice version of a story so um so again trigger warning that it has kind of abusive not very nice elements to it sleeping beauty um stay tuned if you're if you're okay with that if not then feel free to switch in a different direction um so it's written by Giambattista Basile. Basile. Um, he wrote the original Sleeping Beauty. Um, and here, here we go. I'm just going to tell you the story as it is in front of me, and you let me know what you think. A king happens to walk by Sleeping Beauty's castle and knock on the door. When no one answers, he climbs up a ladder through a window. All right, first problem. He finds the princess and calls to her. But as she is unconscious, she does not wake up. So she, the, we've already had the episode unfold where um, she's kind of become cursed by this spell to be to be sleeping and then you know i don't want to say it, it, trigger warning trigger warning trigger warning um so he goes in and essentially makes out with a non-consensual um kind of um it's a traditional tale so that's what happens originally that there is rape in the story then he leaves why this story has been made why this is why you know the narrative in the direction that it goes I don't know. Um, she awakens after she gives birth because one of her twins takes the, the thread um, from her finger. So the, the thread that cursed her, one of her own twins that she's given birth to somehow takes that out from her hand. The king comes back and despite that previous event happening, they end up falling in love. However, another big problem, the king is still married to someone else. At this point, you gotta you gotta wonder why 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 Walt Disney thought this is the tale to adapt. This is the one that will because that I think is the first Walt Disney animation. I think, Sleeping Beauty. I might be wrong. It might be Snow White. But it certainly was one of the first. Um, And the original tale is just all awful. It's all horrible. Why you would work with that one and what that tells us about the kind of the source material and Walt Disney, the stories he's trying to get out into the ether. I don't know. It's weird. Um, So he's still married to someone else, but they fall in love. The king and, um, I guess, a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome for Sleeping Beauty. The king's wife finds out and not only tries to have um, Sleeping Beauty's twins killed, cooked and fed to the king, but also tries to burn the princess at the stake. So she's really annoyed at Sleeping Beauty, doesn't seem so annoyed at the king. Um, thankfully, she's unsuccessful. The king and the princess get married and live happily ever after, um, despite the problematic start of their relationship. Um and then there's an updated version, which is a little bit more... There's a Perrault version, which is less awful. But um, just to drop in, just for a little bit of light relief. That's Sleeping Beauty. And... Uh... And what happens there. So I don't know what to add to that, to be honest. I think that's so problematic, it almost transcends the um the tone of the show. Where I was trying to go for a bit of a humorous and unusual trip through the through the tales. That one's just kind of leaves me feeling a little bit awkward and kind of let's move on swiftly from. So I think that's exactly what I'm gonna do. We're gonna leave Sleeping Beauty there. If you have any thoughts on it, feel free to drop them in the comments. Or call in. I don't imagine you do, because you probably feel as awkward about Sleeping Beauty as I do um and that's you know that's kind of our little journey through one of the things i want to talk about towards the end of the show is then talk about the the laws of science that we are misteaching through traditional tales for example jack and the beanstalk you know he not only is there magic beans and the whole idea of trading a cow for a bean and then the bean turning into a magical beanstalk the you know the real scientific problem with that is the fact that he goes up to the clouds then he starts hanging out on the clouds and walking on those And then there's a big old house of a giant on the clouds. Of all the places a giant is going to live, if it was like a really light creature, if it was a tiny person, you might justify they're lighter than air and therefore live in the clouds. But a giant lives in a house on the clouds. It's going to be a physics issue there. Any kid who gets really into Jack and the Beanstalk, when they get older, you're going to have to talk to them about clouds and physics because their first trip on a plane is going to be terrifying when they're heading up to these clouds. Um... So something to think about there. Castles on clouds. Wolves not chewing food. We spoke a little bit about houses being blown over by wolves blowing. Wolves blowing in general as a means of attack is is a problem. Um, that we are teaching. You know, scientific issues we're teaching from traditional tales. So um, there's a lot. There's a lot to go into obviously the little mermaid you buy into the myth of mermaids to begin fair enough um but throwing yourself to become foam i guess we have to understand the biology of mermaids for that one we'll let that one go um and there's a lot of there's you know the the apple in the throat is a scientific problem for snow white you know she has the the poison apple now if it's the curse that knocks her out then that's one thing. But then she shouldn't wake up when she dislodges the apple. If the apple is lodged in her throat, then you've got an oxygen problem and you've got a brain damage problem. So there's all kinds of science issues there as well. Maybe that would be a good angle to teach traditional tales, do it as a science unit. I reckon that would be quite a lot of fun. Um, depending on what science you need to teach, you could pick like one or two traditional tales that, that dabbled in that area and then use them. Um, perhaps about oxygen. You know, if you're talking about oxygen, feeding the, the lungs and oxygenating blood and getting your body going, then you could talk about the bit of apple being stuck in the throat, no oxygen, the problems Snow White's going to have. Hopefully she was only knocked out for under four minutes because then she'll be all right. But then if she was only knocked out for under four minutes, you've got to wonder why the prince was so quick to get her. Was he just waiting for her to get knocked out so then he could run off with her with his dwarves? lots of questions lots of questions to ask and the three little pigs boiling the wolf usually after they boil his his bum he kind of runs off and that's the tale but uh, you know i think we have to question what their intention was there and and also i guess throughout all of these um traditional tales a lot of the end point is kind of people when someone is treated badly they get you back really badly. They get you back twice as bad. Whether it's pigs, whether it's Snow White, whether it's Cinderella, I guess a lot of these stories are really hedged on vengeance and getting people back. And then we have to wonder, why on earth are these coming into school at such young ages? Why is that the priority? You know, let's make sure kids know that vengeance happens if you treat people badly. There's moral lessons maybe there is a place for it. What's your thoughts? Do you think that traditional tales are doing great? Do you think we should run with them? Do you think we're doing great to kind of keep them in young groups? Should we come back to them when they're older? Have you taught older kids the original versions of traditional tales? And how did that go? Loads of things I'd love to know from you guys as we head towards the last few moments of the show we talk about the science of traditional tales and how you could use traditional tales to teach science and say what would really happen and um, if you tried to blow you know physics and structural integrity you could talk about making a straw house a stick house and a brick house that could really be a scientific experiment and talk about the velocity needed in the wind to knock down those houses um so i think traditional tales could be brought in in lots of different ways um red riding hood i don't know i don't know what could we how could we make that i guess that's more of a moral issue i guess the physics of eating someone without swallowing is probably also an issue and wolves dressing up in other people's clothing um getting to know your relatives i don't know i don't know um, if you have some thoughts on things like this, things we could use to teach from traditional tales that aren't just understanding the story mechanics, I'd love to hear from you. How do you deal with the darkness of traditional tales? I'd love to hear from you. And the Disney problem. Do you have kids? I tell you what, I had a, this is not about traditional tales, but I had a similar issue. So where kids transpose their understanding of traditional tales, they kind of, it gets mixed up with Disney. So when they think of The Little Mermaid, they imagine Sebastian singing under the sea. And when they think of Snow White, they think of Doc and Happy and all the whistle while you work. And they, it's all good fun. So they jumble up. They don't always appreciate the kind of pure purity of the original tales because they get this Disney influence in how they see traditional tales. I had a kid the other day. We were, we're designing. This is kind of Tales from 6C, which is my class, a year six class. Our D&T unit at the moment is to design a snack based on a festival, right? So it might be like for Diwali, for Christmas, for Easter, for Halloween. You might develop some kind of snack, biscuit, bread, scone kind of thing um, themed on the event. It's quite a, quite a nice little unit. We're enjoying teaching it. Hopefully going to be doing cooking in January. Now, a kid in my class piped up with, in the same way of how um, Disney can kind of ruin the the origins and kind of the the miseducation of some of these stories a kid pipes up when we're talking about festivals that we can make the snacks for he says does it have to be a religious festival or could it be like christmas or easter <laughs> i am um, I, was, I was trying to get a horror sound effect there and now it's just gone really weird i'll stop that one no stop all right let's go with this does it have to be a religious festival? Or could it be Christmas or Easter? Oh, in a year six class, I said to, I said to him, I got some bad news for you on that one. <laughs> I think we need to have a conversation about Christmas and where it comes from. But he saw that as a non-religious festival. Like, I'm all for people who celebrate Christmas as not religious, right? People who might call it Xmas or just celebrate for being together with family, but still understand it's a religious festival. You Can't deny that, you know? And then before that, of course, it was a seasonal kind of pagan festival i appreciate all the origins i love the origins of things but um but let's not ignore does it have to be a a a religious festival could it be christmas or easter you know throw that one in he he threw that one in as well i'm like lads what's going on what's going on with that um so there we go that was a bit of an eye-opener in my class over the week um, as we head towards the end of the show we have about five minutes i think i'm going to lean away from traditional tales now usually i open talking about a bit of current affairs and i thought this week i'd experiment with having the current affairs towards the end of the show because i i feel like sometimes when i do at the start of my show i missell my show you know i say we're talking about traditional tales then i spend 20 minutes talking about covid or you know politics and it's not really good so i thought i'd keep that chat for the end of the show um COVID of course is not looking good. It's getting worse in Australia and in Austria, sorry, and Holland now, both talking about national lockdowns. Um, It's an odd one, right? How do you feel about that? How do you feel about the lockdown situation? How is it in your school? Are you having bubble closures again? Have your rules changed in your school? It feels like in the last week, rules have started to change in the UK again. I, I can't envision a lockdown happening because of the vaccine, surely. It must count for something. If we have a lockdown again this year, then arguably the vaccine means nothing. Um, Because we had a a lockdown last year when we were unvaccinated. And so if we're doing the same again this year, I understand the variance and I understand how it changes the effectiveness of the vaccine and all sorts. In fact, I'm getting vaccinated um, or booster jabbed later today. But surely it's a bit of a problem if when we're all vaccinated, you know, we've done so well in this country to get more than 70, 80% of us all vaccinated. If we still have a lockdown on the horizon or we're still, you know, bubble closing schools and things like that, it's a bit of a problem. What are your thoughts on it? Do, is it just necessary? Do we just have to do our best all the time? Should we be drawing a line at some point and saying enough is enough? What do you think? Um, We're on the Omicron variant now coming in from South Africa, I believe. Um, Apparently, they've done quite well to notify people of their understanding, share the science. Um, And we're shooting through that Greek alphabet with Delta and Omicron Omicron and and other letters in between. I was speaking to Khalil earlier in the week saying, I am dreading as we go through the Greek alphabet when we get to the last letter. And at some point, we're going to have a COVID-19 Omega variant, which to me always Omega is a term that is always transposed with the end. Like it's the worst, the end of all things. And when we have an omega variant of COVID, I, for one, will be battening down the hatches and I'll be rather terrified. I, always wonder, I also wonder what will happen when we get to the end of the Greek alphabet. Do we go back to alpha? Do we just call it the second alpha variant, the second delta and so forth? Um, I don't know. But how are you all feeling with that? Are you trying to carry on as usual? Have you started wearing your masks again? I've heard that, in fact, today, I think my wife said to me in the morning that masks are now mandatory again so is that your understanding do you understand them to be mandatory are you now putting them back into your coat pocket after you've gotten used to not wearing them i've gotten so used to not wearing mine maybe that's a bad thing but um i've quite enjoyed not wearing it and now i guess when i do my shop later today i'm gonna have to pop it back on like it or lump it what do you feel how are you guys feeling about it how are your schools dealing with um with covid at the moment do you feel like it's kind of not there at all do you feel do you have some kids are out i currently have one child out my class who has covid second one who's who's soon to be who's been out for a few days and i imagine is going to come back positive because she is sat next to the other child who is out with covid so that's a bit of a problem i feel like we've had an active spread within our class um which is a bit of a worry Hopefully it will end there. We'll see as time goes on. We do, do still have all of our regular cleaning schedules and everything in our school. So hopefully that will keep us okay. Anyway, we're heading right towards the end of the show, guys. I hope you've enjoyed a little bit of a journey through tra- traditional tales, um, learning their dark origins. We got through quite a lot. We got through quite a lot. We had Cinderella. We had um, the Little Mermaid. We had Beauty and the Beast. We had Sleeping Beauty. We had Snow White. We had Rapunzel. We had a little bit of Red Riding Hood, even though I lost my origins of that one. A little bit of Three Little Pigs, tiny bit of Jack and the Beanstalk, um, and some other bits here and there. So I hope you enjoyed I hope you learned something about the crazy origins of these stories and um, you know might consider sharing some of that with your kids as they get older. Um, it's been a pleasure to be on the airwaves as it always is. I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your weekend. Rest up, guys. It's a crazy, crazy busy time in class. I hope you all... Um, weather this storm well and enjoy the rest of your wonderful weekend you've been listening to teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio sat here still thinking about um about the stepsisters feet. It's not nice, is it? And then and the birds. Cinderella's birds. So I feel like she commanded them to get their eyes at the end. Yeesh.